So I am going to smoke, but I'm also doing something a little different today based on the order that we are doing. So it may be terrible, but I bought tea and I'm going to put THC powder in it. Yes! Since mushroom tea is the drug, if I can figure out how to open it. Spill it. I did not. Oh. They come in these little individual packages. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it dissolves and you put it in the tea, and it apparently gets you very happy. Um, I put tea in my alcohol today. Does that count? That does count. I, I didn't even think about it, but I did it. <laughs> I didn't know who we were talking about today. I mean, I did, but I didn't. Yeah, because this is a new one that I actually hadn't even heard of. Yeah. Um, until we had found another murder about a guy in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped the package in the oh, That's fine. Just give it a shake. Right. It'll be fine. Um, but then when I was doing research into that one, I found this one and I felt this one was much more. It's not. I haven't personally heard any other podcasts on it. I hadn't heard really anything about it. And so I thought it would be a good one to do on our podcast. Definitely. So we are talking about, we are talking about Luis Alejandro, also known as Alex Villamayor. Alex was born an American citizen in Maryland, July 3rd of 1998, his father was from Paraguay and actually was a former Paraguayan congressman. His mother was also from Paraguay. And when he was six years old, he and his family moved back to Paraguay. He attended an international school that was the Pan American International Schools. And he actually graduated high school with honors. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. And so his friends say that he was kind of obsessed with the number 23 must have been his lucky number well it's actually jokes that like that became kind of his group's number and they would always look for it places and take pictures and then send it to one another um alex actually had a folder on his computer known as the 23 folder (laughs) that's cool one of his friends actually said that on the way home from Alex's memorial that he noticed the number 23 in his father's car and that the clock read 1023, the thermometer read 23 degrees Celsius, and the last two numbers in the odometer were both 23. That's like a sign that that Alex was there with him. Exactly. I mean, he's even quoted as saying um, in the Daily Beast, That in that second, the moment I saw that, I started crying because for me, it was like a message from him saying, I'm in heaven. I'm okay. So spoiler alert, Alex is our victim. So after graduation, he was actually set to come back to the United States. He was going to go live with his aunt, who is named Kim, and he was set to go to Montgomery College in Maryland. 
And his whole family had actually graduated from that college. So that's probably why his parents were in Maryland in the first place. Exactly. Um, And, you know, he wanted to study business management. He wanted to eventually return to Paraguay to help people that needed help. In school, it said that he had kind of a group of friends, but they would occasionally be kind of cruel to him. I mean, high school is high school. Um, like people are assholes in high school. Let's just be honest about it. It's true. But it explains it, but it's not an excuse for it. Exactly. Like it doesn't make it any better. So two of the people that were kind of very involved in that were Renee and Alan. And I apologize if I am pronouncing uh, Renee's name incorrectly. I'm not a hundred percent sure since it was an international school and Renee's last name is actually Hofstetter, I'm not 100% sure what the nationality is. And I was unable to find anything that was really clear on that. So I'm going to pronounce it how I read it. Perfect. They were both 18. So they were older than Alex, who was uh, 16. And one time he got really drunk for the first time at a party and it was said that they shaved his head it was the first time he had ever drank that irks me because your friend group like the first time you drink should be in a safe place agreed like they're I know that in college it's like you don't pass out with your shoes on or people can mess with you but you didn't do that to the kid that had never really drank before and if you did you drew the Sharpie penis on his face or put it in cold water to make him pee himself. Like something that doesn't damage them, I guess, for yes. lack of a better well, term. Yes. You know, a shave time, it's not permanent, but that takes a long time to go back. Whereas, you know, the Sharpie head or if you're going to make them pee themselves, that's yes, that's embarrassing. And that's still an awful prank, but, It's less permanent than having your head shaved. Exactly. It was also said by his mom that they put him on top of a VW Beetle and recorded it. They like, did they like drive him around or they just stick him up there? Do you know? It wasn't really clear. Um, It just said that he was put on top of a VW Beetle. What I kind of think of is like the car surfing kind of a thing where they might have like put him up there and had him try to car surf. And so his mom actually considered a lot of those things abusive. And I'd agree. His friends from his high school class decided that they were going to go to Cancun for graduation. But Alex and his family decided that it was kind of pricey. And so they decided that they were going to go to Renee's family ranch instead. So him and Renee and Alan all decided to go out to the Renee family ranch. Okay, which I mean, it is fair, but Cancun is an expensive vacation. Yeah. Especially for, you know, graduates who may not be in the workforce. Exactly. And these are high school graduates. It does make a difference. So... The ranch was about 400 miles from where the school was and where they were living. Um, As I said before, that it belonged to Renee's family. 
um, the Daily Beast states that while they were up at the ranch, there were photos of the boys posting videos of shooting guns. They were shooting eggs and just kind of other mundane objects and then probably some pop cans or beer cans yeah exactly having having fun out there shooting in a ranch yeah yeah exactly i mean they're doing what people do when guns are available and so he um alex called his father to let them know that they were about to drink mushroom tea and It was at that point that his father got a little bit concerned. The phone got cut off and his father kept trying to call him, kept trying to call him, kept trying to call him, and then never heard from him again. That's crazy. So the dad in typical fashion um, called Renee's mom and she said that the boys were fine, that um, Alex's, uh, you know, that the ranch hands who lived on that ranch, Matthias Wilb, went to go check on him, like went to go check on them. Okay. So that next morning, Alex's dad gets a phone call from Renee telling him that Alex had killed himself the night before. Oh, Wow. So it comes out and it's kind of said that no one, when it was originally said that it was suicide, nobody really believed it. They, they had this, he was a happy kid. He didn't have any previous mental health issues. He didn't, um, he was described as an emotionally mature young man who didn't have any underlying psychological issues and wasn't showing any signs of possible suicide. Now, you know, being in that situation, you never exactly know somebody's internal feelings. They could definitely be have high functioning depression where they mm-hmm. seem to be quote unquote normal on the outside. And in the, in a split second, they, they decide that suicide is the choice that they're going to make. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's totally a possibility, but I can definitely see why the family would think it's not if yeah. they hadn't given them a reason. You are definitely correct. There are definitely people that can go, you can see them the day before and they're at a party and they're doing wonderful. And then you turn around and two days later, they've committed suicide. So you're you're definitely not wrong in that at all. Uh, I feel like but the family just didn't want, and it's hard to believe that someone would commit suicide. Absolutely. That's something that's really hard for a lot of people to admit. And so the family actually began to push for a deeper investigation. And Kim, I had mentioned his aunt. The one in the U.S. Yes, the one in the U.S. actually began to kind of push the United States to get involved and investigate the death as well because... Alex was considered an American citizen. So Olga Arujo, Arujo, who was the, um, the, uh, she did the autopsy. Um, She tells the family that it's a suicide, um, but she doesn't do any formal interrogation or any formal investigation, anything like that. 
she basically just finishes the autopsy and says, okay, it's done. The same night that she makes that statement, a friend of the family and the family's lawyer, Andy Fernandez, tells them that there's no way that this could be suicide. Um, it's just not possible. Uh, so the photos of the crime, she crime scene show that the gunshot was on the right side of his head, but the gun was held in his left hand. That's definitely a little suspicious to me. So I've shot a gun once in my entire life. I know that you have a little bit more experience with firearms and things like that. They say it was impossible for him to be able to do that. With my little knowledge, I have no way of being able to confirm or deny that. So I don't know if you could give me a little bit of heads up or insight on that at all. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I obviously haven't seen the photos, so I don't know. But so if you're going to hold a gun and have to pull the trigger, let's see, it mm -hmm. was he said it was in his left hand. So if he's mm -hmm. first off, if he's left handed, it's likely he would have taken it in his left hand and put it to his left skull. Because mm -hmm. that's the easier way to trigger rather than like weirdly cocking your head and trying to bring it around to be mm -hmm. able to pull. Um, it's also, as you read autopsies and, you know, in all of the suicides with guns, if it doesn't go like straight in their mouth or up their chin, it mm -hmm. goes to whatever temple they're holding the gun in because that is the easiest way to make sure it's not going to slip and mm -hmm. miss which is okay. terrible to think about but yeah if you're trying yeah. to use your left hand to shoot your right temple then it's depending on what gun it is and how large it is it's nearly impossible to get the correct angle that you're not going to miss and i i mean i was doing like i was sitting there when i was reading this and i was like making finger guns and like trying to figure out like how you would and I was like none of these would feel like I don't know how you would even be able to do it like it would yes. be so uncomfortable yes and I know in I don't remember which autopsy report I was listening to I think it was a crime junkies episode and they were actually talking about the same exact kind of situation mm -hmm. where one autopsy said that it couldn't like you can tell from the gun marks and when the gun goes off there's it uses black powder and there's a little bit of fire right there there's a mm -hmm. spark and it burns and the muzzle of the gun where the bullet comes out is hot mm -hmm. so it'll burn your skin and mm -hmm. so from that you can tell if the gun is sideways if it's right side up if it's upside down so I'm assuming from these pictures, you could also tell, again, I haven't seen them. You can also tell that it's most likely straight on mm -hmm. rather than, because I mean, if, if it were me and I was going to, I'm left-handed. So if I was going to shoot my right temple, then mm -hmm. I would kind of turn my head to the side and go up, but it wouldn't be like a straight on if I were going to just shoot left-handed yeah. to left skull. That makes sense. There was another indiscrepancy his mother noticed that he actually wasn't even wearing his own clothes weird yeah um the clothing that he was in was actually too big for him okay so he's wearing one of the other boys clothes that's odd 
Yeah, so it's likely Alan's because he was the largest, tallest boy there. I couldn't find anything that, like, verified that for sure, but that's what was stated. Um, And so they also tested for gunshot residue on everyone, but there actually was not. But wait a minute. That doesn't make sense because you said they were shooting the day before and there's pictures of that. There should have been some on them and there definitely should have been some on Alex. Exactly. And that's what they were saying is that if Alex had shot himself, he would be absolutely covered in gunshot residue. And even if the boys had showered or done something like that the day before, um, or like b- from shooting the day before or whatever, there would still be trace amounts of gunshot residue on them. So the fact that there was none was very, very suspicious. Definitely odd. So here is what was considered the original kind of timeline that the boys gave police. The boys drank the mushroom tea. The boys start to hallucinate. The boys spend time on the ranch drinking their mushroom tea, screwing around, having a good time. Eventually, all the boys go to bed. At 6 a.m., Renee and Alan claim that they woke up and went outside to see that Alex had killed himself by the pool. And at around 8 a.m. Saturday morning, they call Alex's father, to let him know that he had killed himself. So two hours after the fact of them supposedly yeah. finding him. Yes. So here is what is kind of now been discovered as the truth of what happens. Um, the boys drink the tea. The boys start to hallucinate. Alan and Renee torture and rape Alex. Oh. The murder takes place sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. After Alex is killed, Renee panics and asks for help. The ranch hand that we discussed earlier moved the body from where it had been to the pool on the deck. Um, Renee, cell phone records show that Renee called his father 50 times between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Oh. It is believed that he helped them to cover up the crime scene and cover up the crime. Um, it's also believed that he helped to tell the boys how to clean up for prints and other items. Uh, phone records also show that a former police officer and friend of Renee's family's was called in right before 6 a.m. It's believed that he may also have helped them to set up the scene as he would kind of know what would be looked for for investigators when it came to a suicide scene. That's crazy. Yeah. So Wilbs, the ranch hand, is eventually approached by police after kind of all of this comes out and they realize that okay, this isn't cool. Um, And he actually admits to moving the body. And he states that the only reason he did it was because he was trying to protect uh, protect Renee. 
And phone records show that he spoke with Renee's father as well. And the last update I could find on Renee's father is he is actually currently in hiding for illegal guns and and the cover-up of this murder. Oh, wow. So Wills admits to putting a new gun, not the murder weapon, in Alex's hands. And ballistics, because ballistics on that gun came back and stated that it was not the gun that was found with the body. And that that gun had actually not been shot in a very long time. So wait, so the... The ranch hand says that he put a new gun in Alex's hand, and that gun yep. he put in the hand couldn't have been it because it hadn't been shot in a long time. Yes. So ballistics were run on that gun that was found with Alex's body, the one that was supposedly the suicide gun. And that gun and those ballistics came back and said it hadn't been shot in a really long time. And so it couldn't have been the gun that yeah, killed him. That's wow. Yeah. So, at this point, a second autopsy is performed. Probably smart. Um, Yeah. And at this point, it reveals a massive amount of bruising on his body. It includes marks that were probably used or made by a stick used to torture Alec. Um, There is mass amounts of bruising in his genital area. And semen was actually found in his anus. Oh, stated in I believe the Daily Beast article that it's kind of standard for DNA tests to take you know three four weeks to come back. This sample took nearly seven months to come back, and when it came back, they stated that it was Alex's own semen in his body. That first off, that's an incredibly long time for it to come back. And second, yeah. his own semen. Like, holy fuck. I mean, let's really think about yeah. that for a second, though. Like, if you're 16 and on shrooms, I doubt that's what you're thinking Probably. about. Probably. Oh, well, no, absolutely. I doubt that's what you're thinking about. I mean, yeah. I guess, you know, if they are raping and sexually assaulting him he could have ejaculated because your body does that out of body yeah. stimulation not because you're actually mm-hmm. enjoying it and then if they're beating mm-hmm. with a stick they could have used that to sodomize him but that's true there would still be traces of them in his anal cavity absolutely so it's it, it, it's just one of those weird things where, like, let's stop and think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after the second autopsy and all of this is released, Alan is arrested, but the charges are dropped before the investigation is even finished. What? Couldn't find any reason why. Couldn't find anything about it. Just that he was arrested Charges were dropped. The investigation hadn't even been finished yet. So Kim, who's the aunt in the United States, tries to get Paraguay to allow the FBI to get involved with the investigation since Alex, as I said, was an American citizen. Um, She reaches out to congressmen and senators, and eventually she gets a resolution commemorating the life of Luis Alejandro Alex Villamayor 
and calling for justice and accountability onto the uh, floor of the Congress. Um, FBI, or I'm sorry, onto the floor of the Senate. Um, however, the FBI is never allowed to investigate and was never accepted to help in any way in Paraguay. Um, there was an article written by L. Pice, Pice that is somewhat translated because Google's amazing that said that this was kind of due to a lack of jurisdiction by the U.S. in that country. So basically, if a case is open in Paraguay, then that overrules any jurisdiction that the U.S. may have, even though he was a U.S. citizen. I mean, that makes sense. It sucks, but that makes sense. Exactly. And like when the FBI and other outside agencies have been kind of invited in the past to come to help in Paraguay, it was kind of because they needed the technical expertise more than the investigative piece is kind of what I understood from the translated article. Um, She's also attempts to get laws passed in the U S so that if an American encounters violence in another country, the FBI will be invited in right away. And I have a lot of mixed feelings on that because They understand that they're an American citizen, but those countries have their own laws and we need to be able to trust those, those countries to take care of it. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, as being said, Paraguay is probably not the best example of that. (laughs) Well, I mean, as, as a a U.S. citizen, I understand that when I travel, be it in between states or in between countries, when I go to that place, I am under their laws and jurisdictions. Exactly. So I, as as great and amazing and all-knowing as we think the U.S. is, we're not the only country out there and we're not the most powerful country out there. And I don't think we need to be trying to take over those other countries I I agree and I yeah yeah, I totally agree with you and it like I said that's why I have a lot of mixed feelings on it because and also if you look her up she does make a comment and this was during the Trump era of we live in a country where this administration is putting Americans first So I also just want to kind of say that makes me feel kind of mixed about that as well. But political beliefs aside or anything like that, this this young man deserves justice. So when you start looking this up, if you all go down this rabbit hole and you find that information, don't hold it against her. You know, against Alex, who is now deceased let's just try and get justice. So, um, Olga Arahu, I'm going to just, the original autopsy person was originally just removed from the case. Arejo? That's probably right. Olga Arejo? Yeah. 
So then she was originally just removed from the case, but eventually she was fired by the public ministry for, quote, gross negligence in the investigation of a homicide. Yeah. Yep. Um, Originally, Renee flees to Germany to avoid being prosecuted. And he doesn't come back until, like, some person in charge of like the ministry of defense or something or the ministry of justice changes and he finds out that they're going to extradite him and so he comes back and he was pretty much immediately placed in jail so the trial was delayed two different times why was not able to find any reasoning for it other than like, oh, it was delayed again. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, it took three years for the family to finally get a conviction. Wow. Renee was convicted of homicide and was sentenced to 12 years in prison. That's it? That's it. Um, Wilbs, the ranch hand, was convicted of obstruction of justice and manipulating a crime scene and was sentenced to two years and ten months in prison. That doesn't feel like a long enough time. Not at all. So even now, the family feels that justice wasn't really served. They want to petition the judge for a longer sentence for Renee. Um, they want to seek an obstruction of justice charge or some other kind of charge for Alan, who, as we remember, was arrested and then released. Yes. Um, because of the corruption in the country and the possibility of double jeopardy, they don't think they're going to be able to get Alan for murder. But unfortunately, none of this is really surprising to the family. Um, Paraguay is known for its corruption. Um, According to a report done by Transparency International, which looks to fight corruption in other countries, um, in actually a bunch of countries, as of 2020, Paraguay was was ranked 137th in corruption out of 180 countries. Holy hell. Keep in mind, this is up three places from 2012. (laughs) So when this was happening, they were 134th in the world. They also do a score out of 100. And the 100 would be that the country is very clean, has zero corruption. 100 meaning that the country is very clean and has zero corruption. So zero being the country is very, very corrupt. Paraguay has a score of 28 out of 100. Yeah. That's not very clean. And according to this kind of same information, many, many law enforcement officials are often bribed to look the other way or swing cases in favor of those who are more wealthy or influential than others. Um, The prisons are overcrowded and folks are often forced to share beds or sleep on the floor. 
um, rather than having their own cells. I read something where they also have an issue with women and drug crimes and something like 68% of the female inmates are in for minimal drug crimes. So having like maybe a little bit of pot on them or something like that, 68%. However, they are still, the family is still continuing to fight where that they feel is fair and what they feel that is going to be justice served. Um, At this point, the only update I could really find was Renee's mother had gone before a judge this uh, just earlier this year um, and asked for him to lessen the sentence and stated that there was multiple pieces of evidence that he was actually innocent. But the court found him guilty. Exactly. So... That all being said, I will very likely never know what actually happened that night. 100%. And I mean, even if somebody can come out and tell us if Alan decides to talk or Renee decides to talk, how much of it can we really believe because they were on magic mushrooms? There was all those hallucinations. Exactly. Um, So... I do want to talk a little bit about mushrooms themselves yeah. um, because it is something that I know a lot of people want to try and it's something that a lot of people do. If you do mushrooms, it's not necessarily going to lead you to go and murder your friends um, or jumping off a roof because you believe you're Superman, which is something that you see a lot. Um, according to an article in Vice, In 2017, the Global Drug Survey actually reported that mushrooms are one of the safest drugs that people can use recreationally. Crazy. Um, The numbers were actually really cool. Like, out of 120,000 people surveyed for the study, 12,000 had used um, shrooms recreationally. So what is that, 10%? Yes. Um, And only point percent of people needed any kind of emergency medical care after taking them that being said please don't mess with mushrooms unless you know where you're at you know that you're safe and you know what you're doing research does show that if you have a family history of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder you are more likely to have a negative reaction to hallucinogenic compounds. To expand a little bit on that, um, they first started kind of studying the effects of hallucinogenics in the 1950s and 60s. And LSD was actually prescribed in some form or another to nearly 40,000 patients with differing levels of neurosis, schizophrenia, and psychopathy. I mean, that makes sense. They did the same with cocaine for a long time. Exactly. And according to Derek May, who is quoted in the same Vice article, um, LSD and DMT were actually originally called psychomimetics because they were thought to mimic a schizophrenic or psychotic episode. Wow. Now, quick question. I know what LSD is, but DMT, is that Molly? 
No. So DMT is a hallucinogenic that you take in a very small dose that from my understanding allows you to just hallucinate for a very short period of time. A lot of people call it the God drug um, because they say that it kind of helps them get completely in touch with the universe and kind of see spiritual things. It's considered a very spiritual drug. Um, There's actually a really good Netflix documentary about it, I believe. Um, And I believe I'll have to look it up and we can put it in the, in the bio, but I think it's called VMT, the God drug. And it's very, very interesting. Um, But yeah, so it's another hallucinogenic, but it's meant for a very small dose. And from my understanding, it lasts a very short amount of time. So um though this um kind of assumption or this thought that they mimic schizophrenic or psychotic episodes has since been disproven it is still something that researchers do take into consideration when they're finding subjects for their testing um there's no specific link or even really a passing link between the onset of psychosis Um, and compounds that make you hallucinate. But that's mainly because the interactions between your brain and the hallucinogens are so poorly understood that they can't even begin to look for a link. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So John Hopkins did a study on bad trips And over 2,000 people volunteered and self-reported experiences that they had in a very, very thorough questionnaire. And despite how thorough it was, they were kind of unable to tell if pre-existing mental health issues had anything to do with being able to predict if you would have a bad trip. Interesting. Um, Basically, it's just so rare that this happens with this particular hallucinogenic that they're not really sure what factors do contribute to it. However, it has still been shown that people who suffer from psychosis can have prolonged reactions or worse outcomes than people who don't have those pre-existing things. Um, It's also kind of stated that most deadly incidents that do come from magic mushrooms do happen to come from more dangerous advice, um, dangerous environments, adverse reactions, or any pre-existing conditions, or mixing. So mixing drugs, mixing drugs with alcohol, mixing, mixing. Um, Also, they do say that it's hard to kind of judge that because if you're in a lab, you kind of have someone that sits with you and monitors you and kind of calm you down if you get agitated. Um, and so that makes it harder to have a bad trip. That makes sense. So the UK has actually also been doing research on magic mushrooms in microdoses to help treating things such as anxiety, depression, and autism. Oh. Um, I know PTSD research has been looking into small doses of magic mushrooms for PTSD, um, LSD, which I'm sure we'll have an episode on at some point, but LSD does, um, if used in microdoses, can help with migraines and cluster headaches. 
So there's been a lot of really positive studies that have really led into a new way that we can start looking at psychedelics and a new way that we can use them to help treat issues rather than just tripping out. So I wanted to put that in there as well because I think it's interesting and well, it's definitely interesting. It was like learning that ketamine had more medical side effects or like, you know, had more medical uses than just mm-hmm. as a party drug. Yes. So our charity this week, um, I, one of the things that I saw a lot of when I was looking into this murder was how wonderful and caring of a person that Alex was and why he wanted to go to school was so that he could come back to Paraguay so that he could help make better the lives of the people there. And his friend said that you could always come to him for help and that he was always there with a smile. So I wanted to find a charity that would help the people of Paraguay and help with education, which was something that was important to Alex. I found a couple of education charities, but a lot of them had really been donated to death. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't donate to education charities. Please do. That's always important. But I found another charity, which I feel needs a lot more help. And I think fits a bit towards more of his business likings and his business side of things. So the charity is run by Fundacion Paraguay and is currently working to provide an indoor healthy marketplace for calm artisans. So with COVID-19 going on, they've really been unable to find safe, healthy places for them to be able to sell their goods. So they sell baskets and textiles and all of these really cool, beautiful handmade things, but they don't have a safe clean, sanitary place to be selling them. And so they're losing a lot of money. And this particular project is looking to make an abandoned building nearby usable for a marketplace. So they are looking to provide running water, working restrooms, install signs, put in air conditioning, things like that. Um, That sounds amazing. Right. And the thing is, is they're only looking to raise $10,000 to do this. That's not that much at all. They only have $40 contributed. Oh, that breaks my heart. This one definitely needs some some attention. It does. And so that's why I wanted to highlight this charity this week. So go check them out. We will put them in the bio. They are located on globalgiving.org. You can look up Paraguay. And it will be the very last fundraiser on the bottom of the page as well. If you are just sitting in your car and you're going, okay, I want to help right now. That's another easy way to do it too. So, and global, please be careful with uh, driving and finding things on your phone. No, pull over to the side. I meant if you were sitting, if you were sitting in a parking lot, not while you were driving. (laughs) Okay. Just clarifying. We don't, we don't, uh, We don't condone that. Don't text and drive, please. Hands-free. Hands-free is the way to be. I knew there was some sort of jingle to it. (laughs) But yes, so, and also globalgiving.org, check it out anyway. 
If you see a charity on there that you think we should feature, definitely hit us up on our Instagram at Dank Justice Podcast. Twitter on Twitter at Dank Justice. Or send us an email at thankjusticepodcast at gmail.com. Um, oh, gosh. Do we have anything else to... We need to go through the things again. But usually we have some weird banter in between. And now we uh, don't. Because I, I did it right the first time. I, yeah. Yeah. You had it right. Well, we'll give it to you all again who have been enjoying your tea. Yes, I have been. Find us find us on Instagram at Dank Justice Podcast. Or on Twitter at Dank Justice. Or email us at dankjusticepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.